Welcome to The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. This is the show to help you navigate the challenging moods we all experience as human beings and where you will learn the best strategies to feel the good moods and good vibes we all love to feel. Because when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. This is The Good Mood Show. Now, here's your host, Matt O'Neill. Welcome to The Good Mood Show. I'm your host, Matt O'Neill, and today I am joined by author Sarah Snyder, pen name S.A. Snyder. Sarah, welcome to The Good Mood Show. Thanks, Matt. Grateful to be here. Yeah, I'm so grateful to have you here. And you know, if you're loving The Good Mood Show, and and I know you're going to love this episode, be sure to hit subscribe so that you can get a good mood each week. And Sarah is certainly someone who knows about the techniques for good moods. She wrote a book called Do-It-Yourself Solo Retreats, and she teaches her readers how to get the self-care you actually deserve. But she also wrote a book that I that just totally stunned me. And it was on my Amazon recommended uh, books as I was looking at other things. And it just grabbed me. The title is The Value of Your Soul. It's what we're going to be discussing today. And what you're going to learn today is how to deal with life's annoyances with more grace and understanding. And that's going to get you into better moods. So Sarah has a particular passion for the outdoors, for science, and for exploring the world. By sharing her personal experiences, which we'll get into today, she inspires others to find and express their true nature, love. Sarah, I'm so excited about this conversation. And can you tell us about this book, The Value of Your Soul, and how you got the idea? Yeah, well, um, in a nutshell, this is a collection of just really short stories. It's kind of like a chicken soup for the soul type book, only I call it lamb stew for the annoyed soul because everything takes place in Scotland. This is what my memoir is about, which is what this book is based on. Uh, So I wrote a memoir in 2019, and then this book was a spinoff of my memoir. And I, I got the idea really from the fact that I've been alive long enough now that I feel like I have a duty to pass on to others what I've learned about life. I figured that what I had learned, I can help people cover some of that stony ground, you know, by just passing on here. This is what I learned when I dealt with situations like this. And, um, you know, for what it's worth, I just have some advice. I don't know if you want to call it wisdom, but that's how the book came about. It is wisdom and it's helping a lot of people. And everyone listening to the show today can relate. Life's annoyances. Life can feel annoying. And these things, these dealing with other people, life would be so easy if we didn't have to deal with all these other human beings and, you know, messing up things. Uh, And also that's the beauty of life is all these other people. So we're going to get into that. You open the book with this quote. If you know the value of every article of merchandise, but you don't know the value of your own soul, it will have all been pointless. What 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 does that mean to you? So that's where the title of my book comes from. And it's um, a a verse from this poet Rumi. And what I'm hoping to convey to readers is that, and what Rumi meant, is that really nothing in this world, and I mean nothing, but the essence of your very soul 
matters. And the essence of your very soul is pure love with the capital L. But most of us don't know this and we don't want to believe it. So we try to gauge our worth by all the trappings of life. So if you go through life measuring your worth by all these possessions, then you really fail to understand how precious your soul is. And this gift is the very life that we're given from the divine or whatever you want to call it. And and Rumi, again, he's saying that people who die without this knowledge, without knowing that your soul really is about love and that is what you're about and that is what matters the most, that they've wasted their life. And it really is sad to think that many people do go through life not knowing or wanting to believe how beautiful that they are. So I'm hoping that this kind of pushes people in that direction, at least get them thinking about it. Yeah. And and I feel like there is a point in time in earlier in my life when all the external stuff mattered so much. And this whole talk of the value of your soul just like went straight over my head. Or maybe I was like, that really doesn't matter. Everything Sarah and Matt are talking about really doesn't matter. What does matter is me being successful at my career and other people noticing and me living in the right house and me finding the right spouse and me building the right family. And all of those things mattered a lot. And for me, it was just like this monumental 180 to exactly what you're saying that, holy cow, I had it completely backwards. And most of society does. All of that stuff is going to turn to dust. In 500 years, all of the possessions we care so much will, will be completely pointless. No one will remember anything that we had accomplished. And yet this eternal soul that we have, it continues on. And so yeah, it truly I, is I, the I only it. thing that matters. It, tr- yep. it truly is the only thing that matters. And, I, and I'm so glad I woke up to that. And um, hopefully if you're listening today, that, that can help illustrate the point that all of this stuff, and it's so interesting, like I'll, uh, I'll make the point like, hey, I'm, I'm a real estate owner. I own a real estate company. And I'll, I'll say, hey, who was the number one real estate agent in Charleston, South Carolina in 1960? No one knows. No one cares. Who is the number one real estate agent in Charleston in 1985? How about 2002? How about 2015? So it doesn't matter like this year who the number one real estate agent is or the number one and whatever you feel like you have to be number one is in 20 years and 50 years and 100 years and 1000 years, it really doesn't matter. And uh, I was I was doing a meditation yesterday. And um, she was talking about her friend who died of cancer. And just before she died, she opened her eyes and she said, oh, I spent my whole life worrying about the wrong things. She had a moment of clarity. And then the next moment she closed her eyes and she was gone. And isn't that beautiful that she realized that right before she went on to the next great adventure? I I think that's how it works. I think think if we don't get it while we're not on our deathbed. I think there's a moment of clarity. I think there's a moment where we see everything else is stripped away and meaningless. And we are truly naked in that moment that none of it mattered. Um, So that's, you know, that's why I'm so fascinated with your book. And you, you talk about three different, pretty negative sounding human emotions in the three sections that make up this book. Um, 
you know, what are these negative sounding emotions and, and why did you choose these particular three for your teachings? <laughs> well, yeah, so I, I divide my book into these three sections and each of them deals with like three of these, what, what can be considered negative emotions. And those are, um, or experiences, um, expectation, disappointment, anger, fear, vulnerability, resentment, control, and impatience. And those are like the biggest bugaboos, I call them, that get us into trouble all the time. They're, they are stumbling blocks of the ego, and everybody has tripped over them dozens and dozens of times throughout their life. And they're a drag, but we should not be ashamed when we fall prey to them because life happens. This is part of life. And for these reasons, I am trying not to call them negative emotions so much as teaching emotions. And so I subtly organize my book into these sections that speak to these emotions because they're universal and because pretty much all of my stories in this book are lessons based on those things. Yeah. One of the quotes you use uh, from Rumi is, if you are irritated by every rub, how will your mirror become polished? Yes, that is a really good quote. I love that one because um, becoming less irritated with every polishing is really up to us as individuals. And um, how can we become less irritated as we get polished? And the short answer is don't let things get to you so much. Just <laughs> let go as the saying goes. Um, but that's easier said than done in most cases. But nevertheless, yeah. it's help, it's a helpful, simple recipe for, for achieving contentment in life. But the polishing Rumi was talking about deals with things that go awry in our lives. And whether that means they have truly gone awry or whether it means we simply want to make ourselves believe that they have. So that rubbing can refer to things not going as planned or people saying or doing hurtful things to us or or us taking offense at something such as getting feedback or not getting what we want or expect from others in life. And the truth is we need to experience these hard things in order to grow. That's how we get polished. And I use the quote in the book to um, complement the story about my having great expectations of everyone in this particular situation, only to have every single one of those expectations dashed. And it taught me that others are going to let me down from time to time. That happens. I let others from down to time, down from time to time. And um, so that was my rub, expecting in this particular story, expecting things to be a certain way when I had no control over. And I'm also rubbed every time someone gives me feedback about my behavior or something I said, but I have to take it for what it is. I have to take life's lemons and I have to learn from them so that I can become a polished person, better in mind, body, and spirit. Hey, if you love to stay in good moods as much as I do, be sure to hit the subscribe button on the Good Mood Show podcast. That way we can get you a good mood every single week. And look, if you know someone else that could use a good mood, share the show with them. Send them a text message. Let them know about the Good Mood Show and let's brighten up the world. So if, if everything is eternal, then all of these rubs, these challenging emotions, these negative emotions are actually polishing us like the mirror to become yeah. a greater soul. 
a more right. well, a more well-rounded, a more understanding, a more compassionate version of ourselves. So, it, so sometimes I get thrown sideways and I get a particularly large challenge. And at that moment, I say, oh, a worthy opponent. Finally, something has rattled the great Matt O'Neill. So now I get to finally learn. I get to finally grow. Because there, there becomes a point, like you, on this journey of the small annoyances, you start to understand how to let those go easy. And it's good to practice on those smaller ones. So yeah. that if we can let this small one go, the traffic, if we can let the small one go, the person cuts us in line, we can let the small one go, this is taking longer than I thought. Then when we get the big one, like, oh, somebody got a diagnosis that we love, or um, you know, somebody's going through a really, really challenging time, a divorce, and we really care for them, and, and a family we really care for is hurting, we can, we can f- face those larger ones with grace too. And so it's fun to, to take these small ones and work yeah, on them. It is. And that's a good way of looking at it. I like the worthy opponent. That's flipping the script. That's flipping the script because normally you'd be like, ah, this person, why is he doing this to me? But now you're like, aha, <laughs> someone who's going to teach me something. And that is flipping the script. And that is the best thing we can do to learn. It's the only way I can grow. Yep. is these experiences because when everything's going great I'm not growing I am no. I'm doing my best I'm reading bo- I'm reading books I'm reading your book and reading other books and listening to podcasts I'm growing that way but I'm not really like I really grow in the challenging moments that's like breakthrough growth and so yeah. we get to get excited that's a way to flip the script when things feel really yeah. nasty so uh you know, it's apparent in your writing that you have a strong faith in God, and yet this book isn't necessarily religious. What's the appeal to those who might not share your faith or follow a spiritual path? Yeah, so I do um, I do admit that I believe deeply in a supreme creator, what many people call God, and I realize that that word can be triggering for some people, um, so call it what you want. Um And I would describe that relationship throughout my life as going from, you know, being in awe when you're little, like, right, like I was brought up in the the church. And so I always thought of God as this old white man, you know, with the long beard and sits in a chair and, and, but he's punitive, right? Um, uh, And then I went from believing that to like, God's this puppeteer. And God is, you know, uh, making us do things. Um, But that's not. But that's not true either. I don't think God really controls things all that much because what would the point of life be? So it's really up to us to live the life as we see fit. And we don't have to follow any particular religion. Um, so to, to get something out of my book, you don't have to follow any particular religion because it does deal with very real emotions that we all have. Those ones that I mentioned, like resentment and anger and fear. And they have nothing to do with religion, but everything to do with being human and living an ego-centered life. So um, even atheists might enjoy my book if they don't mind wading through my references to God periodically. But my spiritual beliefs, like everyone else, are unique and they're very personal. And I would never push my beliefs on anyone or think mine are right. They're right for me. Right. And and what's right for others is between them and the supreme being of their choice. 
So um, you don't have to be religious or lead a religious life to get something out of my book. I, I think it has lessons for everybody. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, uh, and I totally agree with your God view that, that I, I came up with this picture of this punitive God and, you know, don't, don't step out of line or else you'll get in big trouble. And, and you might spend eternity being punished if you step out of line too bad. So you better really keep yourself in line. And, uh, and then came to more of an understanding that you're describing. And I think it's okay um, because I went, I went also into the path of, well, none of this sounds right. So I'm just going to say none of it is. I'm just going to believe in science, right? I, and I dove super deep into science and studied everything there was to know about physics. I like geeked out on physics to figure it all out. And, uh, and then I came back to what Einstein said. And Einstein, you know, maybe the greatest scientist of, of written, recorded history, said the more and more I learn about mathematics, the more and more I'm convinced that we were created by design by a creator. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and I think that's beautiful. It's incredible that that the that the guy who figured out like E equals MC squared, like like the foundational matter equals energy, said, hey, all this mathematics, these crazy equations, the theory of relativity that only nine human beings ever in the history of mankind have ever understood. Like that's how advanced his mathematics are said, I'm convinced that we were created. Yeah. There is no um, conflict between science and religion. That's just a made up bunch of BS, in my opinion. I studied science. I have two degrees in science. I'm super into science and I'm super into the divine. And there is no division and no uh, conflict for me whatsoever. And I also think it's fine if you don't believe at all. Like you don't have to believe in gravity. You yep. don't. Ha- you don't have to. It, it exists. It's a force we can't see. It yep. it holds us to the planet. It makes it so that we don't just float away into space. And it holds our planet in orbit around the sun. We can't see it, but it, it's a force that exists. And I and I think it's okay if you don't believe in the unseen force of a creator that yep. holds all of existence together too. You don't have to believe in it for it to actually be there and and be guiding your life. And, you know, Rumi sounds like a pretty spiritual poet as well. Uh, you know, yes. can you tell us a little bit about Rumi and why you chose his verses instead of somebody that's maybe a little more contemporary? Sure. Well, so Rumi is my go-to when I need to be lifted up, um, when I'm depressed, when I'm sad, or even when I'm feeling uh, joyful. Rumi is just this guy who gets really raw into being human and also the struggles that humans have with being divine. So he was a a Persian poet that lived in the 13th century and an Islamic scholar and teacher and a a mystic. Um, And he kind of, I believe that the the Sufi religion, which is the mystical side of Islam, um, was kind of uh, initiated by him. If anybody's heard of the whirling dervishes, Suf, um, Rumi was the one, Sufis are the ones who practice this, and Rumi was the one who was, that's attributed to the, the whirling dervish uh, moving meditation. Um, so um, I chose to apply what Rumi had to say about the meaning of life and poetry for two reasons. And the first is, like I said, I'm a huge fan, and he wrote basically love poems to God. 
And like I said, he's my total go-to when I need a reminder about my place in the world. And that is as a divine being that we that we were born from love. Um, yeah, he not this... only writes poems, but he writes little fables and stuff about annoyances and distractions that everybody throughout the history of mankind have wrestled with. And he also knew what it meant to love God and how hard that is for mere mortals. So um, the second reason I chose Rumi is because the community that I lived in in Scotland studies Rumi, among other inspired teachings. And their um, MO is all about examining man's relationship with God, just as Rumi did. So I, a part of it was I wanted to introduce Rumi to people who might not be familiar with his work. Um, and also, Rumi is alleged to be the most popular poet in the world. Still, 700 years after his death, he is the most popular poet in the world. So that's saying something. That is saying a lot. And this uh, this quote, um, it's it's my favorite quote of that you quote of Rumi. It he said, "Each moment contains a hundred messages from God. To every cry of Oh Lord, He answers a hundred times, I am here." Each moment yeah. contains a hundred. Each moment contains a hundred messages from God. What what is this? You know, how is God? communicating to us in each moment with a hundred different messages? Well, I tell you, because of my belief in what God is, God is everything. God is everything we see, everything we experience from, you know, the bomb on the street to uh, the beauty of the sunset, right? God is everything. And I believe that God communicates uh, through us with signs and through every encounter we have with everybody we meet, with all the experiences we have, this, everything is God. And um, sometimes, oftentimes, for some, we don't like to see or we don't like to hear or see what we're hearing or seeing. Um, and even for the things we find disturbing, this is God telling us that there is a better way or a different way. And for things that bring us pleasure, this is God telling us that we were created to experience joy. And I use that quote in my book for what I call my kick in the pants chapter, and um, it's really meant to illustrate that no matter how horrible your life feels, God is still there. God is waiting for you to have faith and, and this is a big and, waiting for you to take responsibility for your life. And God is always going to be there for support. And um, we just need to know how to listen. And how do we do that? Um, well, this is difficult for a lot of us. Um, because we live with this constant noise. And what I mean is that our lives are just filled with so much. There's so much clutter and noise. It's either real noise we hear by our ears or the mental noise that our minds generate continuously. And we oftentimes we feel like we need to have an opinion or a thought or a feeling about everyone and everything, including the lives of people we don't even know, right? We love to, to give our opinions about celebrities, right? Or as an example. And it's it's madness. This is just really madness because it creates an unhealthy feedback loop that affects our well-being in every way. But if we quiet that noise and if we refuse to entertain these unproductive thoughts, and if we stop talking and responding to everything, we can start to really experience the silence. And in that silence, we notice things we hadn't heard before. 
And in that silence, that observing, we can also experience God, that peace and the calmness, even in the most chaotic of situations. And this is a really big learning how to accept simply what is and not trying to change things or wish they were different. The silence we create for ourselves, we can start to create and hear God communicating with us. Oh, it's so beautiful. Everything you just said is so just inspiring and beautiful. So there was another quote in uh, before we before we end the show, and it was, "The wound is the place where the light enters you." Can you tell me a story of of a wound that you might have had and and how that was the exact place that the light came in? Yeah, this is um this is a real teaching for me is this wounding. And I use this quote in my book to open a section that speaks about the three things, vulnerability, fear, and isolation. And in in general, what the quote means is that hurtful experiences are lessons. And we don't grow by having everything perfect in our lives. You and I, Matt, were talking about this before we started the recording, but um, you know, if everything is perfect and everything works out as planned and you never get hurt or feel sad or afraid or vulnerable, um, that's perfection is not where personal growth happens. Personal growth happens on those rough edges when we experience hurt and fear and vulnerability and all of the other undesirable things that wound us either physically or emotionally. And to get really vulnerable myself here, I'll confess uh, what my original wound is. And, and an original wound is your earliest experience of something that can set the course for the rest of your life. And for me, that was a sense of feeling rejected by my father. So my father was a very loving man, but he wasn't around for the, our family much on an emotional level. And he spent a lot of time doing his job too, which meant he wasn't always there physically for us. And I desperately needed his love and I never felt like I really had it certainly not growing up. I did, you know, later in life, I, I reconciled this with him before he died, thankfully. Um, but this whole original wound from a very early age created these feelings of rejection. And it shaped my relationship with other people and not always in good ways. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I began to explore this concept of the original wound. And then it wasn't until my 40s that I was able to reconcile my past and let go of the pain that it had been causing me. And from that wound, my life became an experience of feeling rejected by a lot of people on many levels about a lot of things. But, um, um, you know, all along, God kept trying to tell me, hey, you are lovable, you are acceptable, you are worthy, you don't need others to validate who you are or to make you feel lovable. Um, and I kept getting all these signs and stuff from God saying this, but I kept telling myself, um, because I had that wound, that now I'm unworthy and I'm unlovable and unacceptable. Um, and then I, you know, I came to terms with it and I realized that there was only one entity who can validate me, and that's me. And the other entity, of course, is God, and that validation will never cease. And so when I finally realized this, the light really poured into that wound, and it is still pouring in. And, and all I have to do is remember this. And if this original wound hadn't been so strong to begin with, I may never have had to struggle to get where I am today. 
because my experience of my father's behavior toward me is what made me fight for myself. And it made me become a stronger person who never gives up and who will always be a champion for people who may consider themselves underdogs and outcasts. So, you know, it was meant to happen. And when I realized that, the light just poured in. Oh my gosh. It's again, just such a beautiful, beautiful awakening that this deeply hurtful rejection of your father, which of course, like who would want to suffer for 40 years feeling unlovable? And yet that's where all the light poured in. And now you're pouring that great original wound is what now your greatest gift is to the world. Because when you healed that and you learned that there's only one, one person who can validate me and that's me and God, but there's only one human being that, that really can validate me and that's myself. Now you're teaching that lesson, the value of your soul, do it yourself, home care retreats. You're teaching everyone how to love themselves and validate themselves. And you know, that was my original wound too. We talked, I, I told the story just before we jumped on about how I was having a lot of pain around my heart over the last month to the point I was medically concerned. And, uh, I was telling Katie, I said, I don't, I don't know what's going on. You know, I, I stopped eating salt at dinner. I put, I took the salt shaker away and, and work has been stressful because interest rates went up and I just thought, Hey, maybe I'm really stressed out at work. And Kim Kaloji was one of the guests on our podcast and she is an, an energy worker. And Kim, I saw Kim just earlier today. And she was asking my body what what was going on. And she comes to my heart and she said, oh, I see that there's a wound here. And so she, she can ask me questions with muscle testing. And when she's pushing on my arm, if she asks a yes or no question, it's a yes, my arm goes strong. So my my body, not my, she'll ask a question with her mind and I'll watch my arm go strong. She doesn't even say it out loud. It's, that's the wild part. So yeah. she, she asks this question. And so she identifies the emotion as emotionally hurt. She said, so you're, you're carrying emotional hurt in your heart. And so then she says, uh, you're carrying emotional hurt in your heart about work. No, my arm's weak. She said, you're carrying emotional hurt in your heart about a family member. Boom, my arm goes strong. She says, a female family member. No, a male family member. Boom, it's strong. And she says, you're feeling emotional hurt about your dad. And it just, my arm just stays strong. And she said, this is, this is a hurt in the present. And it's a no. And she said, this is an old wound, an old hurt from the past. And boom, my arm was strong again. And she just, we just came. She said, this is a very old wound of yours. You know, can you talk about it? And so I, ha- I had my eyes closed and she was doing uh, EFT tapping on a place yeah. to move this old, old, old wound out of my body just today. And she said, I, I just, you know, tell me about what it feels like, what it looks like, what color is it? And I, I started to describe this old hurt. And she said, what words does it want to say? And I said, I see my dad in his blue jeans. and I want to say we're hurting and we need you. And then, and then all of a sudden, all of this pressure 
came to my eyes and my forehead and my eyes started to flutter and I like couldn't keep them shut and I had to open them. And I said, it, I want to tell him to open his eyes. His family is here suffering and we need his help. And he's not receiving that message. And we were, we were suffering. We were, right. we were in financial peril. Uh, he had abandoned us and, um, you know, and times were hard and I needed a, a, a strong male role model. My mom's working multiple jobs, trying to pay the bills for four children as a secretary. And, you know, my brother and I are basically just trying to fend for ourselves. And, and he was just choosing selfishness. And this is an old wound that just for whatever reason, this week or this month showed up just out of the blue. And I think it's interesting that we're having this conversation and you just shared all of that about your father and this original wound. And we share a similar original wound. And also I would never give it back. Exactly. This because look, what, look where you are now because of that. I wouldn't be, there wouldn't be a good mood show. I wouldn't yeah. need it. If I had the dad that I just had dreamed about, right? The guy that was throwing the baseball to me and telling me yeah. he was proud of me and you know, maybe I would have felt kind of entitled or lazy or whatever it would have been. And, and my life wouldn't have turned out in a way where I felt like, Hey, I need to tell other people how special they are. I need to yeah. tell other people they don't have to suffer bad moods that it, that there's a choice. There's a higher choice that you can choose good moods if you want to. Yep. Absolutely. You know, and, um, I am just grateful for this conversation. I, I wanted to ask just one last question and it's what's one piece of advice you would like to leave the listeners of this show with? I would love to be able to tell listeners and readers of my work um, that we waste a lot of our time in life taking things way too seriously, right? Um, we all think our beliefs and our habits and the things we do and say and think and feel are how everybody should be. But if everybody were like us, it would be a really boring world. Um, and I too truly believe that God put us on this earth to enjoy ourselves. And yes, we need to experience the hardship and the difficulty to know what it feels like on the opposite end of that, to appreciate the good things. But we don't have to wallow in our misfortune and our sorrows. And some of them can be truly serious, but we still can pick ourselves up and do something with our lives and recognize our value, the value of our soul. So give your permission, give yourself permission to be annoyed by people and situations when things don't go your way. That's fine. That's human nature. But after you've had your time to sulk about it, move on. And I would say never waste a bad experience by trying to forget about it without trying to learn from it first. Mm. So use every opportunity to learn and to become a better person. And pretty much everything is a learning opportunity. So in the end, for me, all that matters is that I have a life well lived and one that I can be proud of. And I hope that other people can see the value of their own soul. They're doing it and you're doing it. And I just love that quote, never waste a bad experience. Yeah. Um, who says that? Sarah, Sarah <laughs> Snyder says, never waste a bad experience. You can always, before you just throw it away, make sure you learn from it. 
It was, yeah. it was, if it's always God talking to us, it was sent to us by God for a reason. So we better ask him, what's the reason for this bad experience? Thank you for the lesson. Yeah. I don't want to have that lesson a second time. So I'm going to learn it from it this time. Yeah. It, you know, yeah. and if, if you're, if you're listening to the wisdom in this show and there's someone that you care about that could use this message, please send them a text message, share this wisdom with them, share this episode with them. And, and if, if Sarah, if there's some people that want to reach out to you and learn more, how, how could they get in touch? They can um, go to my website, which is www.lunarivervoices.com. And I have, uh, there's links to my books there. And I would be happy to offer a 50% discount to anybody who hears this show on um, all they have to do. If, if they want a 50% discount on any one of my books, I'll send a signed copy. Um, all they have to do is send me an email and you can contact me through my website. I also have um, free guided meditations for different situations that one might find oneself in. So you can listen to my meditations. There are um, some resources for finding retreats. If you're interested in doing an away retreat, there are a bunch of resources for different retreats that'll suit your needs. And um, I'm hoping to start my self-care blogging again, which I've taken a slight hiatus from, but you can read past blogs about my self-care. Well, this has just been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing all of this wonderful information and knowledge with the Good Mood Show. Yes. Thank you, Matt. I so appreciate the opportunity and blessings to all of you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. For free resources, videos, and materials about getting into your best moods, head over to thegoodmoodshow.com. And remember, when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. See you next week. Same time, same place.